Hi, my name is Max, and this is the Power Source Podcast, a place where I talk about old school games from a new school perspective. And today our focus is game design, which is another uh, thing I find interesting and is also part of the podcast, but I didn't really go into it recently. Um, I have no guests today because this is recorded on short notice, but I do have a lot of topics that I'm interested in talking about. So recently, uh, with a couple of friends, actually the two friends who are on this podcast a lot of the time, here I and Jay, uh, I've been playing uh, an MMO called Star Wars The Old Republic, and it's taking up a lot of my time. And, you know, something I always found interesting was uh, about games like that, called MMO, like MMORPGs, Massive Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Games, the acronym stands for, is just the expansive, like, worlds that are in it. And that's, despite those games never really appealing to, to me until now, I always find them like found them super interesting and I honestly just wanted to play them to explore. Uh, but it was kind of hard to explore and not get killed by enemies. Um, but now that I'm into it, it's it's fun to explore and just look around the environment. Um, so I wanted to talk about open world games and how that changes in game design and how different game designers have different approaches to the concept of open world. So uh, one idea I found um, after you know watching some videos, doing a little bit of research, is that there's kind of two main schools of open world games. There's probably more approaches, but I these are the two I found most interesting and most clear. Is that there are uh, module-based open world games and patchwork open world games. So essentially, the the way you can think about open world games, just as like. Uh, as a little introduction, open world games are essentially a game with no levels, but rather just a huge area of space for you to complete missions or quests or uh, discover a story or explore. And what you do in an open world game differs greatly on the the um, the school of thought or the, the form of open world game it is. So a module-based open world game is essentially, if you if you know Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of built around that, where each world has a little small world within it, almost like you know a country, and you explore that little country, that area that has its own story within it, and maybe all of those, there's more than one, and so you go from one to the next, and maybe you can go between them, but they are all kind of segmented, and those segments might be huge within each other, but they are more cohesive and they generally kind of fit together like puzzle pieces. Each one kind of having a relation to the other one and letting the player uh, feel like they're truly part of the story. It's very, uh, you know, it's cohesive. It's cohesive. Um, Each module maybe doesn't have to be completely connected uh, per se. For example, the one that I'm playing with my friends, which is based on Star Wars, uh, each module is a planet. Um, And each planet, again, has its own, like, uh, places within it. But that's just... And those places have, like, travel. So it's not completely open world, but it does have a lot of places to explore. But each module within the Star Wars game is a planet. And so you can explore that planet as much as you can. But then once you want to move to a different environment, you have to take a ship. And that's where the loading screens are. And so that does kind of have a, a break in there where you're kind of taken out of the immersion. But it's so heavily focused on the story that you almost, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a nice break from it. 
And I really li- I, like, I'm not really a huge fan of this. My opinion on module-based storytelling is that I've never really been a huge fan of it because sometimes it feels like you can get stuck on a planet or you just can't continue or maybe you find it too hard and you feel like you're never going to get off or you feel stuck in one area and it, it can get kind of heavy at times. Um, but I, I think just with this game, like Star Wars The Old Republic, I've been enjoying it a lot. And I, I, it, I feel like the, the way that it works with planets kind of works a little better than other MMOs I've seen in the past where it's like lands or, you know, countries or whatever. And you don't really... Traveling between them doesn't feel as cohesive. But anyways, it's uh, that's module-based. That's module-based. Um, and the other one is Patchwork. Uh, these are not the definitive names, by the way. These are just the names I kind of made up or found from videos. But module-based is essentially... Not module-based. Patchwork-based, sorry. Is essentially one huge landscape with encounters kind of sprinkled all over it in places that would make sense. That was an important thing I remember seeing. Is that with Patchwork, you design essentially the land... And then from there, you maybe put towns or if we're thinking of something like Skyrim, which is based on like uh, medieval fantasy. So like Lord of the Rings, I guess. It's, it's a little more Lord of the Rings. Um, but I haven't played Skyrim. But, um, you know, it's a huge map and they have little towns or dungeons or encounters is just generally the name. <laughs> encounters is just generally the name for them. And you... They're all strewn all across the map. And so you as the player are given the absolute freedom to do whatever you want. And there may not even be an overarching story for you to follow. But usually there is. And you can follow the main story missions. But there is also just so much more both in your path to go to this to the main story. And also to like just in and around it and completely far away from it. And so it's, it's a really big sense of freedom. And that was a really big... Uh, reason why Skyrim was so popular because it had an immense sense of freedom and of, of like it was so immersive because people were like you can go anywhere there's almost nowhere that is blocked off you can climb mountains you can go down swim rivers like you can go anywhere and that was a really really big uh really really big selling point for it and it was a reason that a lot of people really liked it it has a big focus on exploration like I said you can go through towns, but there's also natural environments, uh, such as, um, like I said, mountains and rivers. And, yeah, there's a big focus on it. Uh, something that does this really well is uh, the Grand Theft Auto series, which, especially people think Grand Theft Auto V, um, is just designed as a city, and maybe there's not as much nature, but the game designers, the people who made this game, didn't just build a city, they built an environment, and so they can put stuff like maybe ramps, or someplace that you can do maybe tricks with a car or, you know, maybe a store that has something funny inside of it or like a side quest or a side mission more because that's what GTA has. And so it has a lot of little things to do with the environment between missions. Ah, like another thing, they'll have helicopters and, and jetpacks and all these things strewn around like the whole like city for you to essentially encounter and just kind of fool around with. And it has no gain towards the story or it has no influence on the world other than just letting the player have fun with it. And it's really, it's, you know, GTA does have a, an overarching story to it and there are story missions, but it doesn't limit you 
to just those story missions and it lets you be very free with that and that's what again another thing that made gta so popular similar to skyrim is how free it was and how much you could do with it another big thing side point another big thing with both skyrim and gta is they have huge modding communities now that i think about it this is more of a, a side point i just i just thought about i see stuff for people there's thousands, like dozens and dozens of like there probably thousands of Skyrim mods that add or remove or change things in the game, and there's similar things with GTA where it's like you know adding cars or you know removing like a limit or you know maybe adding a part of a map or a building or a character or whatever. I'm not really sure that much about GTA, but these have huge like bases for like modification support, which cut which adds to the life like the lifespan of a game because if you can finish a game. And feel like there's nothing left to it. You don't really feel like you're going to go back and pick it up. But with huge games like this that are essentially one giant map with no loading screens between it. You can walk from one end of the map to the other. And you can add your own things to it so it's always new. That's... It's a, it's a, there's no expiration date on that. It's, it's like perfect. Well, it's not perfect. Those games have issues, like, you know, like any other game. But, like, you know, P the, like GTA Five. I can't remember what year that came out. Like, 2011, 2012. Um, and they still... It's been, like, 10 years, and they still haven't made a new one. Um, same with, like, Skyrim. They've made new Skyrim games, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, here, for example, here. Uh, Star Wars The Old Republic came out in 2012. Skyrim came out in 2011. And GTA, Grand Theft Auto Five came out in, like, 2013, I think. And so it's been, like, years. Many years. Almost a decade since these games have come out. And people are still playing them and they're still receiving updates and they're still getting, you know, modifications. Those people are still adding to this. And it's like that's, you know, open world games have a, a really good opportunity to to kind of, well, yeah, for, for a long lifespan to continually get new players and keep old players and change things and add new things. And so that's what I found really interesting is that uh, I, I always thought that they were, you know, very... Full of opportunity. Another one. Oh, this is kind of another side note, but I did plan this out. Is sandbox games, which are kind of open world games as cousin. Uh, people kind of think of them as similar, but, you know, or as the same thing, really. But they're more similar than they are the same thing. So sandbox is, well, if you think about it, what a sandbox is, you can pretty much just make and manipulate the world however you desire. So if we think of one, the most infamous sandbox game... Um, Minecraft, that game has no story to it. There are there are goals you can do, but they are not necessary, and there is no there's no story to it. I wouldn't say there's a story to Minecraft because that whole game is you load into a world that is first of all randomly generated and just completely unique unless you put the same seed like the same uh, code into it. And it's there's it gives the player complete freedom to create whatever they want. Because it just it gives them the materials they need, and then just kind of sets them loose. And I thought that's sandbox games are also really full of uh, opportunity to like never grow old, because especially with Minecraft that also has a huge modding community, um, it allows people to add things and remove things. But also just the the creativity aspect of it lets people. It makes people keep coming back for more, you know? Maybe, although they, they play one day and they're like, I want to build a castle. And they spend a couple of days building a castle. They're like, okay, well, now I want to, you know, maybe make a town around my castle. And it keeps growing and it keeps growing. And because there's no things that are set for you to do other than, you know, survive, 
there's nothing you can't do. And so that really appeals to people. It appeals to me. I love Minecraft. It, it gives a sense of freedom and a sense of creativity that, you know, almost no other game has been able to replicate so far, I think. Um, a lot of games try, but not a lot of games succeed. Um, but yeah, Minecraft sandbox games are open world games' cousin. Um, but sandbox games are kind of more like patchwork games, where they're just a huge landscape uh, with maybe enemies or whatever sprinkled over, but there's no story to it at all. And you, the player, are allowed to manipulate the game as much as you want. Um, so, as far as uh, like open world games go, I think, well, I think about how much like <laughs> the designers that have to go into it. I I was you know listening up on uh, listening up. I don't think anybody's ever said that, but listening uh, to a, a YouTube video about uh, game design and the module based like uh, in terms of a game design perspective like from the people who are designing these games um module based is a lot harder to create because that's essentially like creating little packages with their own stories and that would mean having teams dedicated to like one specific team for each module and maybe things could have to be scrapped entirely if a, if, if a team falls behind or Things could maybe have to be moved around or shifted or, you know, uh, a lot of effort might be going very One small team might be putting a lot of work hours and a lot of effort into something that is with a huge scale, but it's a very small group because there's a lot of people working on different modules at the same time. Um, and so from a game design perspective, it's a little bit harder, especially because you also have to coordinate between those teams, the whole overarching story. Is it overarching or overarching? I don't know. Um... But you would have to coordinate between those teams the whole story. And so it can get really, really difficult for maybe a small group of people to organize. But, uh, for example, Star Wars Old Republic is made by, um, uh, was made by, I think, Electronic Arts. And so that's a huge company. Oh, Electronic Arts, my enemy. But it's a huge company with a lot of people. And so they have the resources to make a huge game like this. And also they'll host a service for a huge game like this. Um, and so that works. So uh, in, in a, a lot of MMORPGs just, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just saying a lot of MMORPGs have that like module system because it's easier to kind of contain a story. Um, but within those modules, there's still a lot of area for exploration, but there's not so much creativity to it. But there are a lot of ways essentially to maybe get to a destination and there are a lot of side quests within it. So you don't really get bored. Maybe you get bored of running around over the place, and you know that that can that does kind of get frustrating. But you don't exactly become bored of it. Like, yeah, you know, you don't you don't get bored because there's so much story packed within one tiny module. That once you're done with that, you're like, cool, what's next? And you, there's another module that's maybe di a different theme, but packed full of story. Um, from a game design perspective, on patchwork, that one it feels a lot easier, but it might require a lot more. I don't think delicacy is the right word. No, that's not the right word. But you have to be very careful to pull it off. Like you have to be very delicate with it and have a lot of finesse to pull it off. Because, well, first of all, you'd have to get people to design a whole environment. So, so you'd have to get people to essentially design like a, a map. And then from there, you can kind of just, you know, design all the assets for it and fit everything down. But if there are too many things in one area or if things are strange and 
you know, it, it feels kind of easy to just kind of put everything into a blender and shake it up and, and blend it together and pour it out and hope you have a good game. But it can become really janky and broken and hard and, and unfun when it feels like maybe you have to travel a ridiculously long distance to get somewhere and then you get tired of that. There's also fast travel is, I guess, a solution to that. Um, and I'm saying this from, I haven't played Skyrim, but um, I, I know that people can say it can get like tedious, but that sometimes running around and just kind of goofing off is worth it anyways. One thing, um, now that I'm thinking about it, that I'm just going to talk about quickly, just to, as I've passed the, the like 16 minute mark here, is modding communities. Because I've seen a lot of stuff recently about how a lot of big game design com not game design companies, more like, um, like game publishing companies. Because I don't know if like developers themselves are upset about this, but like a lot of game publishing companies are banning modding or banning people who are modding the games that they make. And you know, I can understand how maybe that could. Uh, how that could how they could be upset about that because it could you know maybe give players an edge at something or make them specifically maybe make them better or give them something that maybe another other no other players have and yeah it can be an issue i understand that but for a lot of games where there are huge modding communities it's not about being like getting advantages over other players it's just about making something so stuff like skyrim and minecraft and grand theft auto not so much MMORPGs, those are a little bit harder to mod because they are massively multiplayer online games and those don't really have mods for them. But essentially, stuff like Skyrim, GTA, and Minecraft have huge modding communities that keep the games alive. And so people find it ridiculous that huge publishing companies are complaining about modding communities when modding communities are the only things keeping those alive. Because, you know, developers, a team of developers can add can keep adding to a game, but they're not going to be able to add as much as a whole community of people who do it for passion and for fun. And so in trying to limit something, well, because they, they feel like it's losing the money, like the, the publishing companies feel like it's losing the money. I don't think that the, like, other than like if it was an indie developer, but like they would care, but like publishing companies feel like it's losing the money, but it isn't because all it does is just get players to play their game more. So it's kind of backwards thinking. That's why people are so confused by it. But these modding communities keep these games alive, you know? Like, Minecraft is very... It has changed so much since when I first started playing it. Like, there's so much more. But still, I know people who cannot play it without, like, Optifine or certain, like, visual mods or maybe things that make certain things easier. But a lot of people who work on, in Minecraft now, like with Mojang and with the developers, were modders before that applied or were reached out to and got hired by the Mojang, the game developers, to help them work on the game and to help them add things or change things around. And so it provides a lot of people who maybe are interested in game design or are interested in coding or programming or game, like I have game design saying it twice, or game art or whatever, to like, you know, work on something that they already like and essentially for free because hardly pe people never get paid for making mods. They do that out of their passion of their own heart. And so seeing game publishers complain about it and say that don't do this is like so, it's so ridiculous to me because I'm like, this is what's keeping your game alive. If Skyrim didn't have so much modding, I doubt it would still be as popular today, you know, as it was when it first came out. But modding communities are a backbone. <laughs> They're the backbone of a lot of, a lot of games and a lot of game companies and essentially make them free money. So complaining about it is ridiculous. I've repeated myself enough. Um, this was Power Source Podcast.
Thank you for listening.